This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. record. Wait, did you pay? Welcome back to The Late Night Nod with me, Brian McCann. Still in studio is the biologically compromised Ken Paisley. How are you, Ken? Yeah, hanging in. Like a cat? Uh, Yeah, like a cat, yeah. So before we get back to our uh, our wee chat here with Ken, um, we're just going to take take a small break. If you would like to download the full length version of the song featured on tonight's episode, you can do so by supporting the podcast on Headstuff Plus. Hello, I'm Paul Flynn. Paul Flynn from the Paul Flynn School of Speech and Drama. This weekend we have Shakespeare for all youngsters aged 14 to 16 and our local drama club will be performing the Greek tragedy Euripides. Availability is limited as we have limited availability so sign up at Paul Flynn School of Speech and Drama.net. Paul Flynn School of Speech and Drama where there is no full stop in learning only commas and dot dot dots. So Ken, we've 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 tracked a lot of ground this evening, but I think my my feet are are relatively dry. And looking at your socks, yours too. So we we might go a bit deeper. So this 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 might be something that, that you find difficult. But that night at the Cherry Bowl, well, um, it's nineteen seventy seven. The punk scene is thriving. It's just blowing up, and. I'd arrived, of course, in London. I mean, I'm this sort of wide-eyed boy from the black country, kind of church organist son from Dudley, arrives in London with a case of records and, you know, a jacket. I remember I had this kind of black leather jacket. And I arrived, um, I find myself the Hammond organ player in a punk rock band. And... Um, we're playing at this sort of hodgepodge lineup in the Cherry Bowl. It was nineteen it was July nineteen seventy seven. And 
the band who had gone on before us was a band, kind of a prog rock band called the Ninny's Pink. And they had uh, an organ player, uh, Steve Bamford, who obviously went on to... Uh, the Steve uh, the Steve Bamford experience? Uh, the Steve Bamford Express. He Sorry. went on, re- achieved notoriety with the Steve Bamford Express. A bit faster than an experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and a lot more profitable as it as it um, as it turned out. But this is before all that. Steve Bamford is playing with the Ninny's Pink in front of a punk rock crowd, while I'm standing arms folded at the side of the stage. Steve Bamford goes off on a 15 minute long Hammond organ diatribe, and the crowd just hated it. They hated it. I remember. I mean, the Steve Bamford Express goes on today and. The reverberations from that night at the Cherry Bowl uh, are still felt. And looking at looking at you here tonight, Ken, I can, I can see you. You, you still feel them. Yeah, well, it was, a, I suppose, a pretty traumatic ejection from the punk rock movement. No parachute. No, absolutely no parachute. No, I mean, there's no safety net. I mean, if you get up in front of, in front of five hundred punk rock fans and they decide they don't want to don't want to listen to you they they're going to let you know about it i i would liken that to perhaps my own artistic ventures of recent times and delving into the world of poetry as i have and to limited success but one thing i find as an artist is when you're looking to other arts for 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 inspiration and you see a thought you see a line you see a word that that you had but never found the words to express. And by the time you do, it's too late. It's been drowned. It's It's been submerged. When you stood with the Scrub Monkeys that night and you watched this 15-minute diatribe on this organ, were you, in essence, seeing a thought you had being vocalized to an audience who no longer wanted to hear it? I think it tapped into something... <clears throat> excuse me. Tapped into something broader about musicians in general that, you know... Everybody wants to be seen. No one gets on stage unless they want to be seen. But no one wants to look like, no one wants to be seen like they want to be seen. You know? No one wants to look like they want you to look at them, or no one wants to. You're su- supposed to sort of be too cool for that. And I think it just tapped into something. I mean, of course, you have to remember punk rock was raging against everything that had come before it. And the Hammond organ was very much, you know, you think of all these great sort of big classic rock bands, you know, and um, it just, it was, it was the moment that, that night, the Cherry Bowl was, was the night that um, the Hammond organ and punk rock sort of parted company forever. The Cherry Bowl blossom fell from the tree, the spring was over and the summer of the post-punk rock era was upon you, but you weren't ready for it, you weren't deodorized beneath the armpits for the sweaty onslaught of, of this new wave of music? Yeah, I think um, suddenly the Hammond organ, it was decided that organ and keys in general weren't actually going to be part of the punk rock revolution. They were going to be part of the establishment that punk rock was railing against in the first place. So I kind of was part of the revolution, but was speaking the language of the establishment, as it were. It's quite a quite a heady mix of uh, 
governmental propaganda, governmental values. And of course, after this whole period for you, you 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 delved a bit more into the to the production side of, of of things, and that's really where I suppose you found struggle. But ultimately, the phoenix burned, the phoenix rose, and you model yourself on on many dictators, many Cuban dictators. Was that a mistake at the time to take communism so literally? Yeah, I, th- I think it's easy in 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 hindsight. It, it, you know, benefit hindsight's twenty twenty. After all, it's easy to um, look back with regret. But I don't. I don't it, it doesn't quite do the kind of cocktail of cocktail of emotions that I feel thinking about that time to say I regret it. I mean, I don't regret it. Do I regret it? Maybe. Yeah. But also, no. I mean, I do regret it, but I don't feel there's more, there's more to it than just regret. You know, um, can you really regret something if it brings you ultimately to a place of happiness? I understand. So, what is regret for you, Ken? Is regret standing um, at, at your beachside home in the south of England and, and looking at across this body of water and and, and wondering why? How, or is regret for you acknowledging that your 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 deception of the public, that your your political malaise has has brought you to to a marriage, brought you to some kids? Um, I mean, it's it's the ultimate question, isn't it? Um, I can't honestly say, hand on heart, that I do feel regret. For any of the various adventures, misadventures, misgivings, wrongdoings. So you just have to kind of go with it, you know? Now, many people, I suppose myself included, Ken, would have at times looked at what you did for the music industry and questioned it. I think rightly so. Many of your your, your subtractors said that you self-aggrandized yourself into relevance. If they were to be standing in front of you right now and, and, and said, Ken, make make a plea for your life. State why you as a man are relevant. Why are you relevant? Well, I've never been satisfied to never been satisfied to be nailed to one cross when I could be you know, I could just as easy I suppose I'd rather rather be nailed to lots of little crosses, you know? Um. Yeah. Why? Why be? Sort of. I've never presented myself as one big savior. You know, kind of like lots of little saviors being nailed to you know, lots of little crosses. And in line with this sort of question element you've introduced there, what is it you've given the people? Is that, have you? Have you? I give. Only myself. That's all I've ever given is myself. Um, to stick with the kind of Christian, there's plenty of me to go around. Um, so you, in essence, are the bread. You are, you are the loaves. You are yeah, to 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 use the analogy. I'm Christ and the loaves and the fish. Yeah, and are you? Salted or, or unsalted? Salted. Being the salty kipper that you are, 
has relationships, has love, has has your marriage to Nancy, has it has it weathered the salty storm? Has it taken that that briny wash? Well, well, I think at times my marriage to Nancy, <clears throat> excuse me, my marriage to Nancy has weathered the storm, weathered many storms. But at times my marriage to Nancy has has been the storm. Um, it has been the tempest from which I've taken shelter. But it's also been the harbour in which I shelter from the tempest. And I think great relationships are like that, aren't they? They're kind of, they can be your greatest challenge and also uh, when you and Nazi first left the harbour of First left the, 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 the jetty, first left that pier, and you rowed your boats, perhaps individually, and there came a point where you jumped in hers or she jumped in yours, and, and you just kept rowing. And when your arms got sore, when you were hungry, when your thoughts tended towards, well, what's at the bottom of all this? And you held her hand, and you looked at her. What did you think? Um, it's a difficult one to answer definitively because it, the rolling nature, much like the rolling nature of the sea, rolling nature of relationships and life in general, you can see the same thing at different times in your life and be presented almost with a totally different vision. You can be presented with the same reality but interpret it in totally different ways based on you and who you're with and you know nancy and i i think we've just always seen for me it's having a partner who's willing to tolerate me who can she, at times she's able to rein me in well then at times she needs reining in herself i mean you know there, there, there's been times in her <clears throat> excuse me you know there's been times in her career as a as a, as a sculptor where she's um She's needed a, a, a hand to guide her, just as I need a hand to guide me. Um, Would you say the best relationships reduce us to, to children, reduce us to infants, and expose us to the vulnerability of love, the, the, the vulnerability of life? And, and as a child, you need your fellow child in that relationship to protect you, to hold your hand, to understand that you are in essence a seven-year-old man who has no idea what he's doing. Absolutely. And I think if you're going to love someone, you know, you can't just love the person they are now. You have to love everyone they've ever been. You have to love who they've been their whole life. You, you fall in love with people you've never met but you've heard about, have come to life through their stories they tell you. Or you have to love everyone they've ever been. You have to hope you to allow them to see everyone that you've ever been. And you have to hope that they'll love you, not just for who you are, but for everyone you've ever been. Do you think Nancy ever found it difficult to accept that you never stepped past the fringes, never stepped past the shallow waves of, of the music industry, that your success is measured by your own laboratorial instruments and, and no one else's? I think at times I may have been guilty of presenting Nancy with 
more substance than there actually was with some of my past endeavors and Nancy was the one who sort of helped me to accept that I didn't need to add anything onto myself. I didn't need to be constantly growing and developing. I was fine the way I was. And of course this is before you met Nancy and I know this is a difficult subject for you, but I think many of our listeners, many of your 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 um your peers, many people who who for some reason might care what you say, would want us to, to explore that night in Prague. When you threw that harmonica towards the audience, you said it was a musical it was a musical interlude, an artistic exploration many will say it was an angry bitter man who who realized where he was and where he was was at the end well what is any great art if it's not a reflection of the person who's looking at it art only exists because we look at it art only exists because we listen to it and you know i have my own reasons for throwing the harmonica um and frankly, as the artist, as the creator, it's irrelevant what those reasons were. The reasons that matter are the reasons that people find in these gestures, in these artistic statements. So if somebody wants to say that those were the actions of an embittered or enraged man, maybe they need to look at the bitterness and rage that's within themselves. Was oh, that bitterness and rage personified in the song you sang that night? And if you don't mind, I might just have a quick glance down here at the lyrics because it's been a few years, Ken, so I might not have forgotten them. And I might just, they're your lyrics, they're I your words. I do well to remember them myself. <laughs> well, it wasn't your hand, nor your fist. It was the eyes, the clouds, your kiss that I missed. Who did you miss, Ken? Well, again... <laughs> what I'm saying is kind of irrelevant as the artist. Um, ultimately, it's up to what you hear in that and what, what, the, um, what, um, what the listener hears in it. I don't quite recall who it was that said what I'm about to say, and it's a, possible, a possibility that what I'm about to say has never been said before. And I'd like to think that a lot of what we say is, as people has never been said before, and you can only strive to say something that nobody has ever thought or said or make a noise with your mouth that has never been made before. I... Now, do you think that to get to where you need to go in life to succeed, blood has to be shed? Um, I would just urge people, you know, don't don't get bogged down in the kind of whether or not I mean, you asked, does blood have to be spilled? I don't think blood has to be spilt, but every now and again, a harmonica just has to be thrown. And whether or not whether or not blood is spilt is kind of immaterial. I think sometimes just throwing the harmonica is enough to even conjure up or summon the image of... You know, you throw the harmonica and the rest is up to who who or what you're throwing it at. Or who's there to see it be thrown. And not all not all harmonicas are the same. You know, not some harmonicas are quite quite sharp around the edges and some are quite quite blunt and quite dull. Some are big and some are quite small. 
I suppose that might be a good description of how you've produced art over the years, which is without any regard for the consequence it will have on the recipient. You deliver your music and don't pay too much attention to how it how it sounds in the ears of those that 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 might offer you financial um sustenance and with that much disregard for those around you i I'd, I'd have to wonder do you hold that same disregard for yourself and I ask you then is an admittance of the pain that you that you might be in, in at this point in your life is that admittance of of a life poorly lived or is pain and acceptance of mistakes you've made because you're in pain. I think any artist will know that there are two roads, two paths that follow each other simultaneously. You're walking two paths at, at the same time as an artist. One is sort of like your your sort of family existence, the relationships, your kind of, maybe your suit and tie existence. And then the other is your artistic existence, your, the path that your creative self walks on. And sometimes those two paths follow each other closely and sometimes they don't. And although there are times when your art reflects your emotional state or your, what your life is like at that time, there are also times when it doesn't. So you can look at any artist, any creative, and say, clearly they were in pain when they when they wrote this, or when they painted this, or when they sculpted that, or indeed when they threw that harmonica. And you can say they must have been in a great deal of pain, and indeed they, 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 they might have been, they may well have been in pain, but also it's possible that those two roads, those two pathways, just weren't weren't close together at that time. And perhaps that Harmonica was thrown as an expression of one's creative self rather than an expression of one's kind of not creative self. Those two pathways that never crossed or maybe crossed at, at a point where the gradient of the soil wasn't sustainable, would you hold some sort of local council responsible for that? Would you hold society at large responsible for that? I think you have to that? start small. So you would go to the local council, you would exacerbate all possible avenues of contact. You would look at their website, for example. And I mean, to, to, to bring that back to what we're talking about, you have to start with yourself, I suppose, in, 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 for, the purposes, for, the, for, the, for the purposes of this analogy. You are the local council. And you would have to start there. You'd have to go to the local council and if the fault wasn't with them or if they weren't fit to resolve the issue for you, you would go higher. You would go to perhaps your, perhaps straight to your government. And your government is your, in your own life. It, it could be, you know, if you're a band, it could be a record label. It could be, if you're a DJ, it could be, um, could be a radio station, your producer, your broadcast. Or if you just, if you're going back, it could just be your family, your friends. So, you know, if those two paths should intertwine at any stage, you, you, you and as you say, the soil isn't too fertile, then you, you know, or there's perhaps a, a pothole or a disturbance of some kind, you, 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 you do have to get to the, to the, to the bottom of why that is. But, I would urge you to start small. I would urge you to 
go with yourself first and then work your way out because usually the problem is with yourself well I don't, you, I, don't, I don't know if that answers your question but it's, it's something that i've kind of lived my lived my life by no i think you're very clear with that and what i'm getting from it is that you start small you start with perhaps a trowel um maybe graduating towards a larger trowel perhaps a shovel but ultimately what you're looking at is the cement mixer of life slowly turning. And what I'm getting from what you've said is that life is about what you put into your own cement mixer. It's about how much water you add, about how hard it gets. But fundamentally, it must provide the foundation. It must be leveled off. It must be cited by an engineer, be it God, be it the universal truth. And if it's cited off and agreed upon by the council at large, then, then you've built a house that's that's a home, a life that's 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 true. Yeah, I think so. Well, Ken, thank you very much for joining me here today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you all for joining us tonight on the Late Night Nod. I'm just getting a gentle nudge in my ear to remind you all to join the conversation um, on Twitter or any other social media platform at the late night nod. Thank you all for joining us and I'll leave you with tonight's thought. Um, as I as I do every week with, with a thought to carry to carry in your satchel as, as you ride your horse across the, the great plane of existence and that would be to to imagine someone like Ken here with me and, and his wife Nancy or Lolo Henshaw or, or, or anyone you've ever met or loved imagine them wearing wearing a jumper perhaps of, of some sorts a, a whole multitude of people wearing many different jumpers of many different colours that you've met in your life and, and you're all lying on the grass and you're looking up at the sky and, and I'd ask you to, before you sleep tonight to close your eyes and picture someone you loved in that in that brightly coloured jumper and hope that they're well and, and hope that you are the person that they would want you to be. Well, thank you and good night. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 